Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. It's good to see you after two weeks of terrible weather, and uh, it's good to see us back together again. Let me welcome our guest. If you are a guest at Burlington Baptist Church, uh, we are glad that you are here, and thank you for taking the time to come. We're honored by your presence. If you fill out that card and take it back there, I forget what that place is called, um, but they'll have a gift certificate for you, about $100, to your favorite barbecue place. <laughs> but if you would like to come down, I'd like to meet you if you have the time. I stay down front, and if your guests come down, I'd like to, I'd like to meet you and welcome you personally uh, to Burlington Baptist Church. Well, today we come with sad hearts as a church family because of the sudden passing of our brother Lee McNeely. Lee loved the Lord, and he expressed that love for the Lord in a lot of ways. And one of them was his ministry at the Burlington Baptist Church and his involvement in so many ministries and involvement in the lives of so many of us. I have a friend who says that God heals some people and some he makes perfect. And last Monday, God made Lee perfect. But the separation and the grief hurts, and we grieve for Linda and David and Becky and Sarah and his sister Susan and, of course, those five precious grandchildren. So I know that you're going to continue to encourage them and love on them uh, and support them. We are in a series called Let's Encourage One Another. And for those of you who couldn't get here for the last two weeks, we talked about the first week, more encouragement, please. And then we talked about last week, no discouraging words. Last week, we learned that we come here for worship. Yes, and wasn't today's worship set great? Woo! Starting out with, I saw the light almost made a charismatic out of me. Uh, and and uh, we come here to, to worship you. And, but we also learn that we come here to encourage each other and to speak words of encouragement and life to each other. Words of life instead of pushing down one another. So today we're going to talk about everybody can encourage and everybody needs it. Nobody has too much encouragement. And I hope that this series will make Burlington Baptist Church the most encouraging place in town. Now, next week, you're going to hear the Baptist Bishop. He's going to be here uh, Jim Willem is going to be here. I love Jim Willem. Uh, I keep asking him, Jim, won't you come and join a Christian church? You know, uh, but I love Jim Willem, and Jim always brings a good message. And uh, I will be at First Church next week. Our pastor, I married he and his wife three, four years ago. They have a beautiful little boy, and they've asked me to come and dedicate him. And I think that's an honor. And uh, I will, I will be there. Uh, I'll be there next week, and then. And then I will be back. And so you cheer the Baptist bishop on next week. Tell him, you're not good as, near as good as LD. You know. 
I, 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 Jim, you knew, Jim and you and I, and I used to sit together at the ball games. He sat behind me. And, and he got rowdy as a Baptist. He got pretty rowdy. He got pretty rowdy, and I'd have to calm him down, you know. And so we, we have a great time together. But let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, help us to be an encouragement to each other in the same way that so many times you have sent little encouragements to us along the way. There have been times of weariness and times of fear and times of grief and hurt and times when we felt like we just could not go on and were ready to give up. But always at the right time, there was a short note or a simple call or a token of love for us, which you sent through your loving people that you have placed in our lives. Father, we pray today for the comfort of Lee's family. I pray for Linda, David, and Becky, and Sarah, and Bill's sister, Susan, and those precious grandchildren, and losing their grandfather, and the many friends who loved him and will miss him greatly. We thank you for the gift that he was to his family, to his friends, the gift that he was to Burlington Baptist Church, and the gift that he was to our community. So thank you that we had the privilege of knowing him. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen. My favorite sport is college basketball. And I was there last night. It was like a deep religious experience. To beat Kansas after losing to them twice, it was like a deep religious experience. Now, my next favorite sport may surprise you. Now, just hang on a minute. Horse racing. Now, hang on, hang on. (laughs) I don't go to the tracks because I'm afraid that I will run into some of the deacons. (laughs) And I don't bet, but I sure do like to watch those magnificent animals run. Derby Day and the Breeders' Cup are two of my favorite sports days of the year. I clear my calendar and I watch all the races. And uh, I try to, if I was a betting man, I would lose the farm. That's all that I know. But I love to watch those magnificent animals run. But several years ago, in a grade one race, there was a terrible, terrible accident. And a lot of those horses went down. They were well known horses. They were expensive horses. And the sad thing about it was some of those horses were hurt so badly that they had to be put down right there on the track. And that probably was the most humane thing to do. Now, horse racing is a tough business. You get hurt and they destroy you. And in that race, none of the jockeys stopped and came back 
to see about the other jockeys or to help them who had gone down. In horse racing, only one thing matters, and that is finishing first. But now in the process, if you get disabled and you can't run anymore, and if you're hurt badly enough, they'll put you down. They'll put you down. And when I watched that, I, 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 I thought, man, there's a sermon in there somewhere. And here it is. What does the church do for people who fall and can't get up? Now, it is sad, but true. The church often does the very same thing. We shoot our wounded. Isn't that sad? In the original language of the New Testament, the word encouragement means to come along beside someone who needs our help. The word encouragement is used (coughs) 109 times in the New Testament. Now, it's not always the word encourage. Sometimes it's exhort. Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's urge. But the idea is always spiritual nurturing someone. Now, the biblical concept of encouragement is coming alongside someone, doing something for them that enables them to get up or enables them to walk closer to the Lord. Larry Crabb has written a good book just called Encouragement. And in it he says, Encouragement is the kind of expression that helps someone want to be better, want to be a better Christian. Even when life is tough. I would say encouragement is helping someone be better even when life isn't tough. Now encouragement happens when a person stumbles and they can't get up and we come along beside of them and we help them. Now today I've got three simple questions. Three simple questions. The first one is this. Who should encourage? Who should encourage around here? First and foremost, the church leaders, the church leaders. Discouraged churches always reflect a crisis in leadership. And I have taught my students and I have said for years that everything rises and falls on leadership. I don't care what area it is, church, business, I don't care. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And those who lead this church should be the ones who are out there encouraging the most. The Apostle Paul said, when you select leaders for your church, select ones like this. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. The primary job of the church leader is to hold up the church with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People should be built up and encouraged when they're taught the scriptures rather than beaten down and discouraged. So church leaders, and that includes us preachers. That includes us preachers. Listen to what Paul said to the preachers. He said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience 
and careful instruction. Acts 15.32, Judas, not the bad Judas. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. You see, it was the primary task of the early church preachers to encourage the church. And it is the primary task of preachers today to encourage the church. (coughs) So who should encourage? Those who are the church leaders. But also, the encouragers should be those who are gifted with encouragement. There are people that God gives the spiritual gift of encouragement. Look what Paul says in Romans 12. Look at verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, that is to preach, speak out as with much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, if it's serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is given, giving, give, generos- give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility serious. And if you have the gift of showing kindness. Aren't there some people that just have the gift of showing kindness to others? And he says, do it gladly. Now, so who should encourage? Notice that one of the spiritual gifts that God has given the church is encouragement. There are people in this church who have the gift of encouragement. Now, that doesn't mean that they will ever teach in public. That doesn't mean that they necessarily have the gift of teaching. There are some people who are encouragers that will probably never teach a class, never be on the platform. But that does not make them any less than those of us who are up here. See, God considers encouragement so essential that he empowers certain people. He puts certain people in churches in each congregation, and their primary function is to encourage one another. Then God has them here. If I were to stop right now and you to write down on your bulletin, you probably could think of five people just like that who are members of this church who you consider have the gift of encouragement. See, God has specifically gifted and empowered people in our church with the gift of encouragement. And if you are one of those people, then every week you should give thought and prayer to how specifically you're going to use that gift to build up your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, who should encourage? The church leaders should encourage. Those with the gift of encouragement. You say, whoop, that lets me out. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. The entire church family should encourage. Every one of us should be encouraged. Well, I don't have the gift of encouragement. That doesn't matter. We are to be encouragers. I, I, hear, I, I hear people, I hear preachers say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I never thought I had the gift of evangelism. But I did it because Jesus, Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. That doesn't let me off the hook. That doesn't let anybody off the hook if you say, well, I don't have the gift of encouragement. I don't know how to do it. Doesn't let you off the hook. Look what Paul says. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. 
And then Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. These are addressed to everybody. Some have the gift of encouragement. Some don't. But that does not get us off the hook. All of us practice it. Those with the gift of encouragement know how to do it really well. And they can do it really easy. And it comes natural for them. Because God is in part of them. But that doesn't let the rest of us off the hook. All of us. All of us should encourage and make sure. As Paul says. What comes out of our mouth. Will encourage someone and not tear them down. Now. <laughs> in a church. In, 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 a, in a home. In a business. In a school. It only takes a few negative people to bring the whole place down. Now, I, I, I have said, and I'm not, this is not derogatory about First Church, because the same thing is probably true here. I used to say that 95% of the people at First Church were the most loving, gracious, kind, and they were. They were so good to me. But then you had 4% that were a little iffy. Just a little iffy. And then you had 1% They'd take your head off. They would take your head off. And that's probably the same way at Burlington Baptist. So if we're going to have a positive encouragement spirit, what do we have to do? We have to have so much encouragement here to overcome those with the negative spirit. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Encouragement is a privilege of every Christian, and we're responsible to help people, all of us, by what we say what we do. All right. Second question. Who needs encouragement around here? Who needs encouragement around? Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid and take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Don't you wish you'd left that off? Don't you just wish he'd have stopped before he got there? But be patient with everyone. Notice what the text says. Take tender care. Take tender care. Now, this verse describes the kind of people that we need to come along beside of and encourage. John Stott, in his commentary that I introduced you to him last week, John Stott, in his commentary on Thessalonians, and he's talking about the stronger Christians and the weaker Christians who need help. He says, it's as if Paul wrote to the stronger Christians and says to them, hold on to them. He's talking about holding on to those that need encouragement. Cling to them and put your arm around them. So the first group of people that need encouragement around here are the hard-hearted. Urge and warn those who are lazy. Now, some of you aren't tuned into this series yet because you don't understand encouragement yet. You think encouragement is flattery or, 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 or nice little cute phrases or nice little words. <clears throat> I want to tell you, encouragement, man, is heavy stuff at times. There are some times that biblical encouragement has an edge to it. 
If you know a Christian who is drifting in and out of mediocre commitment, and your attitude is, well, I hope they get their act together someday. Boy, I, I, they're, they're, they're blowing it. I wish somebody, they need to get their act together. Folks, the New Testament never endorses passively accepting people where they are. It endorses helping them to godly living. Look what the book of Hebrews says. Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another. What's the word? Daily. As long as it's called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sinful sin's deceitfulness. Now, don't ever underestimate the deceptive nature of sin and how it hardens our heart toward God. And if we don't encourage someone, one another, there is an, a person here that couldn't fall hard to a hardened attitude to a certain sin. It's my business, and it's nobody else's business. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We have to come alongside each other to keep that from happening. And I want to tell you, that kind of encouragement is tough. And it can only be done in truth and certainly in love. Encouraging the hard-hearted is not easy. But we have to be willing to take a courageous dive into the river of risk to rescue a sinking friend. We just can't let them drown in that sin without trying to do something about it. So who needs encouragement? The hard-hearted. And then the faint-hearted. Look what he says. Encourage those who are timid. Encourage the faint-hearted. In every church, there are people, and there are people here this morning, who want to be encouragers, but they just don't think they can. I don't know what to say. They're just timid about it. I think of Paul and Timothy when I thought of this. Timothy, Paul had put Timothy in Ephesus as the pastor. It was a large, significant urban church. And Timothy was not sure that he could pull it off. Paul had to write him two different times to encourage him. He says to Timothy, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Listen to this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, I tell my preacher students in all my classes, you, I encourage them not to be timid. In love, but not to be timid. Because I see so many preachers who have a great temptation to be timid. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You don't get nearly as many bad emails. <laughs> and you don't get nearly as many anonymous letters. And you don't get a sweet little lady 
packing you in the corner of a hall and just absolutely unloading on you. So it's a temptation to be timid. Now, I'm going to get in your knickers this morning. A lot of you here this morning are timid, afraid to be baptized. You want to. You've been thinking about it. But you're holding back and you're just timid about it. Some of you are timid about sacrificial giving. And you're right on the edge. And some of you are holding back timid about getting involved in ministry in the Burlington Baptist Church. A church never has enough people involved in ministry. 20% of the congregation are doing, are, are doing the work. That's the way it is in every congregation. So you've been timid about it. And, and some of you are timid about placing your membership in the Burlington Baptist Church. So, so I, hope, I hope we can come along beside of you and encourage you in your faint heart and in your timidity about making these kind of decisions. All right, are you with me? Who needs encouragement? The hard-hearted, the faint-hearted, and then the broken-hearted. The broken-hearted. And boy, this message couldn't have been any more appropriate than today, could it? He says, take tender care of the weak. Encourage the broken-hearted. And there are a lot of people here this morning whose hearts are broken. Because you knew and you loved Lee McNeely so well. I tell you who I thought of was Carl Smith. Carl Smith and Lee grew up together, known each other all their life. Very close together all their life. I talked to Carl right here. I felt, I felt sorry for him uh, because he had lost his dearest friend. You know what Linda told him? Linda said, Carl, you have loved Lee longer than I have. And that's tough. That's tough. So it's our job as the church now to encourage the brokenhearted. But who are the weak in this text? Who are the weak? The weak are those people who fall down a lot. And they don't have anybody to come along beside of them. And get them going. And matter of fact, they think nobody cares about me. They don't care whether uh, wh- what's happened to me. And so they're just willing to drop out. The Apostle Paul, this happened to him. When they, on the first missionary journey, Paul and, and, and Barnabas took John Mark with them. Well, on that journey, John Mark decides, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not, and he bailed and went home to mama. Well, they were getting ready to do another missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas were. And Paul said, and Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul said, there's no way. We are not taking that boy. He was not faithful to us to begin with. We're not taking him again. So Barnabas and Paul had such a disagreement over it that Barnabas said, good. I'll take John Mark and you take Silas. And so Barnabas takes John Mark 
on his missionary journey with him. John Mark probably believed after he left Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey, they'll never believe in me anymore. I have blown it. They'll never give me a second chance. But if it had not been for Barnabas, Barnabas came along. You know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him before this sermon is over, before this series is over. But Barnabas was big enough to extend a hand of encouragement and genuine love to John Mark. And he lifted him up from his failure with encouragement. And it paid off. It paid off. You see, if it hadn't been for Barnabas, the church might have lost John Mark. But he wrote one of the Gospels. He wrote one of the Gospels. And look what Paul says about him in 2 Timothy 4.1. Get Mark, the failure, the dropout, the one who went home to mama. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in the ministry. You know who made that possible? It was Barnabas. It was Barnabas. He came along beside of him and he rescued John Mark for the church. You see, folks, encouragers put far more emphasis on the future than they do the past. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, how in the world could you pick that thieving, crooked tax collector as an apostle? Well, I believe in the past, in the future, more than I believe in the past. Jesus, how could you let that prostitute wash your feet? Well, I believe in the future more than I do the past. Jesus, don't you think we ought to stone her? That's what the Bible says. Don't you think we ought to stone her? Woman, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and stop your sinning and make a new life. Now, when I talk about encouragement, I'm asking us to do for each other what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? All right, let's do my little, 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 little review. This will help you. All right, who, who, who in this church, who in Berlin needs encouragement? The hard-hearted. There are people here that are in some sin, and if we don't come along beside of them, they're going to fall completely through the cracks. And then the faint-hearted, the timid, who need to make decisions for Jesus, who need to step out for Jesus. And then the broken-hearted and the weak brother. Now, my third question How do we encourage each other? Now, we're going to learn a lot of ways to do that. But I only got two today. I only got two very important ones today. The first one is this. Encourage each other with genuine forgiveness. Encourage each other with genuine forgiveness. The weak. Those who fail need to know they have been genuinely forgiven. The church in Corinth had a man who was living with his 
father's wife. Openly just living with his father's wife. Pretty bad stuff. So Paul says, this hard-hearted man needs to be disciplined. And if you read Corinthians, the church disciplined the guy. And it worked. He repented of his sin. And uh, he became brokenhearted because of his sin. And then Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says this. Now it is time to forgive him and comfort him. Otherwise he may become so discouraged that he won't be able to recover. Comfort him. Come along beside of him. Now, sometimes we forgive people, but we don't communicate the comfort to them, do we? I I heard about a man and woman who went for counseling, and uh, the counselor said, what's your all's problem? And the man said, well, every time we have a disagreement, she gets historical. And the counselor said, no, 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 you mean hysterical. He said, no, sir, no, sir. She gets historical. She brings up every wrong thing that I have done since we've been married. Now, I wonder, do we do that in the church? Someone really blows it. They blow it with an addiction. They blow a marriage. They blow a bad decision. They blow it with blowing off their temper. And they come and they ask us to forgive them. Great. We will forgive you. We'll say prayer for you. But don't you think, don't you think for a second that you're not going to be, you're just still going to be a second-class citizen around here for a long time. Don't you think it'll be like it used to be? That's forgiveness with no comfort. Now, let me get, let me get down this morning. I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee. Whew. Lord have mercy. The legalism there was terrible. It was worse than liberalism. And you know, in that culture, and I've seen it, it's getting better. But even in our culture today, it is a disgrace how the church has treated divorced people. It got real quiet in here. And if you disagree with what I said, write Jim Woolham. Baptist bishop, that's all the dress you need. But deep down in your heart, I think you agree with me. It's been a disgrace. You're a second-class citizen from now on. Folks, that's not comfort. That's discouraging. Clara Barton, who founded the Red Cross was reminded of a cruel thing that someone had done to her. And her associate said, well, Clara, don't you recall that? And Clara said, well, I just, no, but I do remember. I distinctly remember forgetting it. Wow, that's a good answer. 
So when people fall and they're broken, and we need to forgive them and come along beside of them and speak comfort, stop holding it against them. So how can we encourage each other? Encourage each other with genuine forgiveness. And I don't have time to develop this one, but let me, let me throw it out. Encourage others to remain faithful. There is not a person in this church that is so spiritual that they should be offended when someone encourages you to be more faithful. Acts the 14th chapter. Strengthen the disciples and encourage them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. Encourage them to remain true to the faith. Thessalonians. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging. Comforting. And here it is. Urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Urging, urging you to live lives worthy of God. One of my tasks is to remind us every week that God has called us to a higher standard. God has called us to a different standard than the world out there. And it is my job every week to get up here and remind us of that. That God has called us to live a life worthy of honor to Jesus. So if you're sort of slipping a little bit, don't be offended if someone comes along beside of you and encourages you to live a little better for Jesus. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that many times the church shoots our wounded. Just like they do a thoroughbred when it can no longer race and it gets hurt too badly and they have to destroy it. And the church sometimes is guilty of shooting the wounded. Special Olympics, you know, always have a Special Olympics for those very special children. They were having a race in the Special Olympics, this true story. And then the gun went off and all these kids started running and one of the kids fell down, one of the boys fell down. And the rest of them stopped, looked back at their friend. They didn't care about the crowd. They didn't care about the clock. You know what they did? All of them went back where he was. And they picked him up and they dusted him off. And they checked him out to see if he was okay. And then they put him in the middle of the line. And they all locked arms together and finished the race Locked arm in arm. Hmm. All of us in this room in some way are disabled. And we in the church need to hold to the value that it is better to finish together 
rather than leaving a wounded brother or sister behind. We are better together, right? And those of you in the military know that there's a code in the military. No one left behind. No one left behind. So folks, we are better together. I leave you with this question that you can wrestle with this week. Who are you going to run along beside of this week? Hmm? Who are you going to run along beside of? Pray with me. Father, I pray that in your church, no one will ever be shunned or ignored because of their failures. We're thankful for those who come along beside of us and help us when we are wounded. And I pray for those whose heart is getting hard because of some sin in their life. And I pray that you will soften that heart or send someone to them to soften that heart. Strengthen those whose hearts are timid when it comes to challenges of life. Comfort those whose hearts are broken over their failures. And I pray you will use us as part of that healing process. And may all of us have the heart and mind of Jesus that people really matter to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Today we want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ.